Good morning. Good morning. Come on, let's go. Who's excited? Come on. We're not done. We're not done turning it up. We're just getting started. Amen. All right, all right. Let's press in. Let's press in to the person next to you. Shh. Amen. I want to hear from God, not you. You can talk to me later. All right, here's the quote. Here's the quote I'd like to start off with. All right, we'll let the kids get in the room there for a minute. I think we got about 4,000 kids. I think, that's, I think that's what we're up to. We got some of them meeting across the street. They're in the street. They're all over the building. We're trying to get this building ready. All right, there we go. There we go. All right. Here's the quote this morning. The Bible wasn't written to give us a practical list of things to do, but more so to give us an account of things that have already been done. I'll walk away if you don't get excited. I'm serious. We all, think, we all think the Bible is this thing to tell us what to do. The Bible is about telling us what's already been done. It's already been done. Come on. Your victory, it's already been done. Success for you has already been done. Overcoming has already been done. Amen. We just got to walk in it. Come on, tell somebody secretly, it's already been done. It's already been done. If you look back at our, at our messages the last couple of weeks, it's been unplanned and unintentional, but, but it's, it's been, there's been a steady message. And the message is, it's already been done. M- Miguel came with a message called Transformers. When he's talking about our identity, who we are, and, and w- how we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? And what God's already done for us, and we just need to walk in it. Last week, we spoke about thin places, those places on the earth where where heaven touches earth, where where the Spirit of God is felt, where the presence of God is felt. And then as we went through the Word, we realized we are those thin places, right? We are those places where heaven touches earth. People should meet God at me.com. Amen? People should experience forgiveness at me. People should, should uh, uh, understand the definition of love by understanding me, by understanding you. Amen? And so that's kind of been a theme. And, and, and you know, the, we are those places and people, people should, should have that experience. Listen, my heart has always been to change the way that our culture sees church. I hate the way we're portrayed on TV. I hate the way we're portrayed in the movies, in the news. That, I mean, we need to change that, and it starts with us, amen? We need to change. People don't understand that, that listen, this building, it used to be a bakery. I want people to still come every morning they come through those doors. I want them to still find fresh bread. Come on. Come on. Let's get excited. And so listen, listen, this is important. If you've missed any of those messages last week or the week before, if you've missed, go online, sanctuaryfellowship.org. 
and download. The, the, you can watch the videos online. You can uh, go on iTunes and sub- subscribe to the podcast. Listen, it's important what we put in. Amen? I, I listen, just so you know about me, I listen to two or three messages a day. Not my own messages. I listen to other people. Amen? That would be a little arrogant. Like, man, this preacher's good. Wait, that's you. Yeah, I know. No, so I listen to two or three messages a day. That means, listen, that means I take, before I give out a message, I've taken in 10. You see, that, that, that's important because I learned a long time ago that, that it's important what we take in, right? Listen to me. If you don't like what you're growing, change what you're planting. If you don't like what you're seeing, if you don't like, then, then change what you're eating. That goes beyond the exercise world into the spiritual. Change what you're eating, amen? Because listen, Pastor Headphone will minister to you a lot longer than I do. I only talk to you three hours on a Sunday. That was just to scare the new people. But, but your Pastor Headphone is preaching to you seven days a week. How many hours? Think about your playlist. Just look at the title. One day, look at your playlist and read just the titles of your playlist. Read those songs. They'll shock you. You're like, word, I listen to that, and that, and that, and that, and that, and I wonder why I got a lust problem. All right, that's a whole nother message. We ain't, we ain't ready for that one. We ain't ready. So if you want to change what you're feeling, change what you're eating. All right, so listen, I just want to encourage you, if you miss any of the messages here, go online, subscribe to the podcast, and download them, sanctuaryfellowship.org. Because listen, as a matter of fact, today I'm celebrating a little something personal for me. For my own tracking purposes, when we started this church, I started, you know, saving the messages in a folder. And I started numbering them. Just not, you know, I've been pastoring 10 years before, before we started the sanctuary. But, but when we started the sanctuary, I started saving these messages and numbering them. Today is number 300. 300. Listen, that, that might not mean a lot to some of you, but like, oh, big deal. But that means to me something incredible. Because that means to me, for 300 Sundays, I've trusted God to give me the words to share, to give me the themes to discuss, to give me the ideas to unfold, to give me the questions to answer, to give me the word and the messages to share, the scriptures to put together. You got to understand, that means for 300 Sundays, having to trust God to be faithful. And looking back and seeing that he has been faithful. It's an incredibly building thing for my faith because I can now mark On a computer, on paper, I can mark 300 times that God has shown himself faithful in my life. Does anybody else have that? 300 times that you can mark in your life that God has, and there's plenty more. I got testimonies that we can talk about for weeks. But but just in this instance, there's 300 times that I can mark that God has been faithful, that he's done what he said he was going to do. Amen? And so I'm fired up because about what God's already done. I'm fired up about what he's done in me. I'm fired up about what he's done through me. I'm fired up about that he's shown himself faithful, that he's shown himself true. 
And to me, that means just like the word says, surely God is my help. Surely the Lord is the one who sustains me. Psalm 54, 4. Surely God is my strength. He's my fortress. He's my loving God who goes before me. Psalm 59, 9. Surely he's my salvation. He's my honor. He's my mighty rock. He's my refuge. Psalm 62, 7 and 8. Surely when my flesh and my heart fail, God is the strength of my heart. He's my portion forever. Psalm 73, 26. He's my son in my shield. He bestows favor and honor, Psalm 84, 11, and he will be my guide even till the end, Psalm 48, 14. Oh, man. So I just want to declare today that he's been tried and he's been tested, and even when I've been faithless, even, even when I've been riddled with doubt, even when I've wandered, even when I've fallen short, even when I've wanted to give in, when I've wanted to throw in the towel, when I couldn't take one more day, I've found them faithful. And so here we are, number 300. Can I share number 300 with you today? Somebody said, you ain't start preaching yet? No. Here, here we go. That was the intro. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to try. <laughs> now, naturally, being a man and hitting the number 300, <laughs> you know what I'm thinking. Being a man brimming with testosterone, I wanted to come up here today with armor and a sword. And then I quickly realized that that would be a lot more about me and not about God. And plus, the outfit I was thinking about was totally inappropriate for church. <laughs> totally inappropriate. I would have messed some of y'all up. So thankfully for all of you, I left that idea and I went to the Word. Amen? Amen. It's always good to go to the Word. Amen? When in doubt, go to the Word. When you think it's about you, stop and go to the Word, amen? Because the Word will check you and the Word will put you in line, amen? So did you know there are some pretty interesting uses of the number 300 in the Scriptures? In Genesis 6, God tells Noah the length of the ark would be 300 cubits. So 300 was a measurement. In Genesis 45, Joseph wanted to bless his brother Benjamin, so he gave him five sets of clothes and 300 shekels of silver. So 300 was a sign of favor. In, in 1 Kings 10, 17, King Solomon was so rich, he made 300 shields out of gold. He also had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's 300 chias. <laughs> so 300 was a sign of abundance of gold and girlfriends. In Judges 15, when Samson was defeating the Philistines, he caught 300 foxes and he tied their tails together and he put torches in them and he set them free to, to wipe out the enemy's crop. So 300 was the number of strategy. In 1 Chronicles 11, 11, it's speaking of David's mighty men. And it says, the leader of them, he killed 300 men with a spear in one battle. 
and the second of his mighty men, he was also known to have killed 300 men with his spear. So 300 was a standard. In 2 Kings 18, King Hezekiah, he paid 300 talents of silver so that the king of Assyria would release the city. So 300 was a ransom. In John 12, the perfume that Mary spilled over Jesus, the alabaster box that she broke over Jesus, was worth 300 denarii. So 300 was the cost of anointing. Ay, eso está bueno. So 300 was a measurement, 300 was a sign of favor, 300 was the number of abundance, 300 was a strategic number, 300 was a standard, 300 was a ransom, and 300 was the cost of anointing. Those are seven messages we can get on 300 right there. But here's where I believe God would have us this morning. Turn in your Bibles if you have them to Judges chapter 6. Go ahead and give me my... Get my screen title there. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I just needed that pump. <laughs> Judges chapter 6. I had to find one that didn't have all the abs, you know. That wasn't easy, but anyway. So let's set the stage. I want to talk about a man named Gideon. Let me set the stage. God's people, Israel, at this point, they've been delivered from the Egyptian captivity. They've been set free. They've been, I mean, they've seen miracle after miracle. They've experienced victory after victory. God has given them the land. God has, God has removed their enemies. God has killed some of their enemies. I mean, God has shown them so many things. He, put, he sent rain from, he sent uh, uh, bread from heaven. He sent water from rocks. He said that one time they complained that they wanted meat, and God had ducks kill themselves and just just rain ducks on them so that they, I mean they've seen incredible things amen but the word tells us that at this point they were disobedient and they they have failed again to trust in God and they turned to other gods in addition God gave them over to the Midianites for seven years and so for seven years they were under the rule of the Midianites and so, like we still do today, they cry out, God, why, why you do me like this? God, why are you playing me? God, why, why are you making me go through this? And, and in Judges, and, and so God sends them a prophet. And the prophet tells them this in Judges 6, verse 8. It says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them before you. I gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. You imagine a word from the Lord like that? How many of you have ever received one of those? All right, it's two of us. Amen. The rest of you got to pray for revelation and conviction. So the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. And, and the Lord says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And that's God using a play on words because Gideon's name means mighty warrior. So he says, you've been named what you've been called to do. God says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, if the Lord is with us, why has all these bad things happened? Where is all the wonder 
that we've heard about from our fathers? Where's all the wonder that we've heard about? All these incredible stories. Where's all the wonder? Didn't God deliver our people from the hand of Egypt? Side note. So often we blame God for the sins that got us in our situation. Amen? Come on, we've all been there. We find ourselves in the worst situation. Man, you could be in the worst relationship ever. But God already told you, you found that man in the club. Oh, you had no business being with him. But you thought, if I could get him to come to church, Pastor George will fix him. And then if Pastor George don't fix him, it's past the fault. Right? But you picked that garbage up at the, at the club. All right, anyway, let's not get there. Side note, we blame God for the sins that we got, right? So here these people, they, they've been led out of captivity. They've seen all these incredible things. God has met every need they've ever had. God had answered all their complaining and rumbling, and they start to add many gods and idols to their worship list. They start to divide their worship, and at this point they have built an altar to Baal. And then at the side of the altar, they've built these, these uh, Asherah poles. And so uh, in those times, the cities had, had a god and a goddess. And so it was Baal and Asherah. And so you would, you'd want to appease Baal and Asherah. So you'd build an altar to Baal and monuments to Asherah. But these are God's people. And they have now these temples and these altars to Baal and Asherah. So now here comes the next generation who they've heard all these incredible stories about God. They've heard all these miracles that God has done, but they can't see their parents walking in those ways. Come on, let, let, let this go deep in you. Because there's a generation, you know, there's a generation just like today saying, where is all the wonder that we've heard about? I think that's one of the things that, that the younger generation has struggled with so long because they've heard all these stories. They've heard all these things, but they're not watching us walk in them. And every time they hear a story, every time they hear a testimony, it was 27 years ago. Listen, I love hearing testimonies. Don't get me wrong. You can tell me testimonies all day. But if God isn't doing anything today, don't tell me testimonies from 27 years ago. Because that lets me know that maybe God was powerful 27 years ago. Maybe God was moving among people 27 years ago. But today, in my life, in my, I don't see him. Right? And so there's a generation asking, where is all the wonder that we heard about? And so Gideon is part of this generation. And Gideon is saying, he's saying to the angel of the Lord, where is all the wonder? Hasn't God delivered us? From, from, the, from, from this, you know, from the Egypt, hasn't, hasn't God done all these things? Where is all the wonder? And so here, God is speaking to this generation, and he's speaking to this generation here today. And he tells Gideon, am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? He says, go and free this land from the Midianites. So God is saying, you want wonder? Be the wonder. And I believe God is telling that to our young people. You just came off a high this weekend. It's not about getting emotional away on a weekend. It's about something that's powerful, something that's lasting, amen? And so that experience that you had, amen, take it. But God is saying now, don't ask where's all the wonder. You bring the wonder. You walk in the wonder, amen? He said, am I not sending you? 
He's telling them, step out and trust me. And what do you think Gideon responds? You can't send me. It's always the person that complains the most that don't want to do anything. Come on. Come on, church life. That's church life. That's church life 101. It's always the committee that signs up to complain that doesn't want to do anything. Why they got to cancel children's church? There's no, because we got no workers. Do you want to do it? Can you give one week? Can you give one week? You got six four-year-olds. Can you? I mean, that's impossible, but, but you know what I'm saying. You got, you got six toddlers. Can't you give one week, one Sunday, and volunteer and, and share and be, right? But it's always the complainers that don't want to do anything. So he, Gideon says, you can't send me. My clan is the weakest, my, my, and I'm the least of the least. So he's saying, listen, my clan is the weakest, and I'm the weakest of the weak. Isn't that just like God, to call the weakest of the weak? God calls the smallest little brother, and he says, why don't you take on the world? Amen? And I think he does that, listen, so that pastors like me, we can't get too full of ourselves. Because, because when we say, oh, man, God's using me. God's using me mightily. The church is growing. Amen. I must be amazing. No, you're probably the weakest of the weak. Amen? Humbling. You're probably the weakest one from the weakest tribe. So that's a little bit humbling for pastors anyway. But you got to love that God calls the unqualified and the least. And so, listen, you could be saying, I'm to this, I'm to that. How can I do that? How can I'm this and I'm from that, I'm from this and I came from that. I had no father. My mother left me. I grew up, you know, in, in, a, in a cat shelter. I, I mean, whatever, you know. You can have every excuse in the book, and they're legitimate. They're legitimate excuses. I know, that was weird. I don't know where I got that from. But, but some of us here, you're at that stage, and you're walking. You, you Listen, you know God is calling you to do something, but you're stuck on, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? And God is saying, like he told Gideon, God is saying, I'll be with you. That's how. You want to know how you're going to do that? I'll be with you. Louis, he said, I'll be with you. To deal with these young people. I'll be with you. How are you going to do that? I'll be with you. Amen? So Gideon says, okay, okay, I'm down, but give me a sign. How many of you have played that game? All right, God, I'll do what you're calling me to do. I'm your man with the plan in my hand, but give me a sign. And so, and so he, he tells God, he tells the angel of the Lord, he says, Here's, give me a sign. You wait for me here. I'm going to go get an offering, animals and all that, and I'm going to come bring you an offering. Wait for me here, and I'll know that this is what you want me to do. I'll know that this is real, and I'll do it. I'll be your man. I'll be Superman. Amen? And so God says, the, the angel of the Lord says, I'll wait. And he waited. And, and Gideon comes back, he prepares the sacrifice as an offering for the Lord, and the Lord t- touches it with, with the staff that's in his hand, and it's consumed with fire. And Gideon says, oh my God, this was God. And he's, he, gets, he gets freaked out, he said, this was the Lord. And the Lord speaks to him later, and he says, listen, be peace, have peace. Have peace. And then that same night, God speaks to him again. And I, 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 listen, I love that once you make peace with God, once you start communicating with God, God won't stop talking to you. Come on. God, God won't, once, you, once you open up the channel, God won't stop talking to you. And I know some of you shaking your head. You said, I haven't heard God speak in a long time. I heard an awesome illustration about this. I heard somebody say, you know, when you're in, when you're in school, how many of you are in school? 
Right? You, some of you went back to college, amen? You, you remember being in school, right? When you're in school, the teacher talks every day. And the teacher talks all through the semester. But when the test gets handed out, the teacher doesn't talk anymore. So during the test, the teacher is silent. I know that's going to hover a little bit until it hits. Some of us are not that quick. During a test, listen, if God has been silent in your life, say, wait a minute, I might be, it might be test season. If I'm not hearing God and I'm, and I'm doing what I got to do and I'm going after and I'm listening and I'm praying, it might be test season. During test season, the teacher doesn't talk. I right, just hold on to that. So, so God speaks to him again that night, and he tells him, this is what I want you to do. Go tear down your father's altar to Baal, and go tear down the Asherah poles. That's bold, right? He's telling him, go to the heart of the city and rip down that altar that your father has built and rip down, cut down those Asherah poles that, that your father and these men have put up, have surrounded it. In Judges 6.27, listen to this. This is cool. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord told him to. But because he was afraid of his family and of the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Side note, there's something powerful there for somebody here today. Listen, Gideon was afraid to step out in what God called him to do, but he did it afraid. All right, two people got it. That's awesome. He did it afraid. Listen, some of you are scared to, to step out into ministry. Some of you are scared to share your faith with somebody. Some of you are scared to just stand up and be the man of God that called you to be. Listen, it's okay to be scared. Just do it afraid. Do it scared. Do it scared. You say, I'm scared to, I wanted to help out with the youth ministry. I want to help out with the children's church, but I'm scared. I wanted to be a part of this, but I'm scared. Fine. Do it afraid. He said he was scared to do it by day, so he did it by night, but he still got it done. Somebody say amen. amen. So he takes and he builds an altar on top of the stronghold that was there. Some of us got to do that in our lives. You got to build an altar where the old altar was torn down. Because the word calls that a stronghold. Some of us have strongholds in our lives that are generational, that are sinful, that are things that have been passed down. We got to take right in that place where the stronghold is and build an altar to the Lord. On top of the stronghold. Okay, so, so now he's ready, right? He's calling, the, he's ready to step out in the call. No, he said, but, but, all right, God, but one more sign. How many of you have done that too? God will give you a clear sign, clear, like this, uh, you know, some of you, and, and some of us have pulled some crazy tests, right? You said, God, if this is you, let somebody I don't know in church today come up, tap me on the head and say, duck, duck, goose, <laughs> and give me a playing card with a number three of hearts, and let him be standing on his left leg on Wednesday when it's raining. Right? You say, you give God the most ridiculous test, and sometimes God will honor us and do it. And, and somebody will tap you and say, Goose. You're like, oh my God. Are you serious? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that to me? 
And so God will meet that sign. But listen, but Gideon says, okay, okay, I'll do it, man. I'll do it. God, I know that you're God. You're awesome. Hallelujah. I'm ready. But one more sign. And so he tells God, if you're going to do, if, if you want me to do this thing, I'm, I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to place a fleece on the ground. I'm going to put a fleece down on the ground. And in the morning, let the ground be dry and the fleece wet. And if the ground is dry and the fleece is wet, I'll know that this is you and I'm your man with the plan. Amen? The next morning, he gets up. The ground is dry. He picks up the fleece and he squeezes out a bowl full of water. So God honored and God kept his plan. And, 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 and Gideon says, oh, man, that could have been a coincidence, though. <laughs> How many, right? I've done this. I confess. But God, that could have been a coincidence because the fleece I could have soaked up the water from the ground, leaving the ground dry and the fleece wet. Well, maybe that wasn't you, God. That could have been just natural stuff. So, God, one more test. Please don't be angry with me, he says. The next morning, let the ground be wet and the fleece are dry. The next morning, the ground was wet and the fleece was dry. Can I just tell you something, church? Be careful with fleece tests. Because, listen, God was gracious to Gideon because God was asking Gideon to do something that, was, that he was spiritually immature to do. So God was calling Gideon to do something that was beyond his spiritual maturity. Amen? So, but, but listen, the, the truth is hey, we have to be careful because I would stay away from these little tests because it's too easy to make God like a magic eight ball. It's too easy to, to use that for everything. And you say, oh, God, should I, should I go on this trip? You are likely not to. Oh, sorry. You know, it's too easy to treat God that way. We, we be careful with these tests. Listen, asking God to do three tricks before he'll do something is a sign of spiritual immaturity. Contrast that to God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. And did Abraham do three tests? Abraham says the next morning he picked up the wood. He grabbed the boy that he loved and he headed toward the place. That's a big difference in faith. Amen? So be careful with the, with the fleece tests. So, okay, so now let's move on. So now three tests, he's in. Gideon says, it's on like Donkey Kong. I'm ready. And he calls for the men. And 32,000 men show up. So he's got 32,000 soldiers. How many, like you feel the, you feel the testosterone in that? 32,000 men. You got to just say that with your teeth grit. Because there's some power in 32,000 men. They were up and ready to take the land from the Midianites. But keep in mind now, the Midianites had 135,000 men. Somebody said, that's not a cool fight. 32,000 against 135,000. That was pretty bold of these men to step up and say that they were ready to fight, right? So God looks at them and he looks at Gideon and he tells Gideon, you got too many men. What? <laughs> say, God, you obviously have a math problem. God, do the math. We got 32,000 men. The enemy has 135,000. God says, I'm telling you, you have too many men. God says, I'm going to deliver the Midianites to you. So, so, so you can't boast against me and say that it was your strength that did it. 
He says, you got too many men. Here's what I want you to do. Announce right now that if anyone here is fearful and trembling, they should go home. And, uh, you know, probably Gideon said, no, my men, these men are ready to fight. And so he announces, listen, this is going to sound weird, but if anyone here is fearful and trembling, God says you should leave right now. 22,000 men booked. (laughs) 22,000 guys broke out. They were like, ghost. So there's only 10,000 men now left. 10,000 against 135,000 Midianites. God looks to Gideon and he says, you have too many men. God, you're tripping. You have too many men. And so God says, take them down to the water, and I'm going to sift them for you. What? So Gideon takes the men down to the water, and what happens is some of them, they bend down, they lie down on the floor on their knees to, to lap up the water, and some of them take the water in their hands, 300 of them take the water in their hands and bring it to their mouths to sip. God says, take the 300 that brought the water to their mouths, send the rest of them home. Oh, come on. This is a good movie right now, right? Are you with me? You with me? So God says, take the 300 and send the others back to their tents. And so now he's gotten the army down to 300. And God says, now I can deliver the Midianites to to your hand. With 300 soldiers, that means that there were 400 soldiers for each one. How many of you like those odds? 400 for each one soldier. God wanted to make sure that his fingerprints were all over this thing. Listen, it would have been a miracle with the 32,000 men if they were to win. But 300 brings it into the impossible zone. God loves the impossible zone. (laughs) Come on! Anybody got something that's impossible right now in your life? God loves the impossible zone. That's where God is the best at. It's in the impossible zone. Those are the odds that God likes because the word says with God all things are possible. Listen, some of you need to hear this today. You're too big to be used by God. You're too powerful To be used by God. (laughs) Aye, that's hard. You have too much influence to be used by God. Because you're trusting in all of those things instead of the Lord. And the truth is, God was teaching his people, when you trust in your abilities, you're limited. But when you trust in me, your limits are lifted. You got to put that on a t-shirt. Your limits are lifted. Your limits are lifted. Tell somebody, my limits are lifted. (coughs) See, the truth is, there'll always be somebody stronger than you. There'll always be somebody smarter than you. 
There will always be somebody more qualified than you, with more influence than you. But if you're trusting in you, you're limiting yourself to what you can accomplish. You can accomplish great things on your own. But when you start to trust you more than God, you've set your limits and your aspirations way too low. Listen, if your dreams are something that you can accomplish, your dreams are too little. When we acknowledge God as our source, then our limits are lifted. Can I go back to college at this age and make something of myself? I said your limits are lifted. Come on. Can I start a new career even though I don't have the qualifications? I said your limits are lifted. Can I start a business? Your limits are lifted. Listen, listen. Can I apply for a job I'm not even qualified for? (laughs) Your limits are lifted. Every job I've had, I haven't been qualified for. I didn't go to college and I'm making crazy money. Come on. Your limits are lifted. Amen. You can do all. Can I apply to be the head and not the tail? Yeah, you're supposed to. You're supposed to because it's Christ that gives you strength. Amen. So 300 was not only a measurement. It was not only a sign of favor. It was not only a number of abundance. It was not only strategic. It was not only a standard. It was not only a ransom. It was not only the cost of anointing. 300 was also a reminder that the battle is the Lord's. Somebody should be excited. Should should we stop there or you want to know what happened in the fight? You want to know what happened in the fight? All right, you asked for it. I was ready, but now there's another hour. All right. How'd they do it? How did they do it? What happened next? Well, here's how they did it. God gave the enemy dreams. He set the stage, and he had the enemy scared of Gideon. Listen, even right now, God is making your enemies afraid of you. Come on. God... God is making your enemies scared of you. It's Psalm 23. God says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. (laughs) Somebody should run around this place. Come on, man. Come on. The victory's already been done. Let's look at this picture. Let's look at this picture of victory because it's your picture. It's your victory. Come on. So Gideon divides the 300 men into three groups. And he gives each man a trumpet and a torch hidden in a clay pot. A trumpet and a torch hidden in a clay pitcher. And so they surround the camp at night, and at the same time that Gideon and his, his hundred blow the trumpets and smash the clay pots exposing their torches, everybody blows the trumpet, shouts 
for Gideon and for the Lord. And they lift up their torches and blow their trumpets. And now understand something. These were soldiers. These were 300 of the boldest soldiers ever, man. This beats Sparta. Because imagine 300 men that are willing to go up against 135,000. And imagine 300 men that their leader says, go with a trumpet. Like a trumpet? I need a machine gun. What you talking about a trumpet? I ain't going to hit somebody with a trumpet. I ain't going to carry a, tray, a clay pot. Come on, man. I'm a man. I don't know who pottery. So these were some serious men. But understand, these soldiers, they probably had their swords on their backs or in their sheaths, but they didn't lead with their swords. Because the battle is the Lord's. They led with their trumpet, an instrument of praise. Listen, some of you are going to overcome your situations through praise. Some of you are going to worship your way over the enemy. Some of you are going to worship your way out of the worst trouble you've ever been in in your life. Woo! This is good stuff. They led with a trumpet, an instrument of praise, and with a torch, an instrument of light. And the enemy was so overwhelmed by the trumpets and by the shouts and by the light that surrounded them that they started going in at each other. And they started killing themselves. And then whoever was left ran. <laughs> it's a picture of victory for you and for me today. Listen, you might think the situation you're in right now is too big. You might think the odds right now against you are too complicated, it's too much, it's too hard, you don't understand, I messed up too bad, it's too difficult. Remember the 300. His strength, that I just feel the light just kind of, whoo, I just like, whoa, whoa, his strength is made perfect in our weakness, amen? They blew the trumpets and they let the light shine. That's a picture of the calling on each and every one of our lives. Blow the trumpet means declare the goodness of God, declare the faithfulness of God. Tell somebody, then break away the clay that's hiding your light. Listen, God is telling some of you today, break away the clay that you're hiding your light behind. It's time to shine, amen? It's time to stop hiding, it's time to shine. You want victory? Stand, shout, and shine. Come on, worship team. Come on, let's stand up. Let's stand up. Here's the takeaway. Let me sum it up. Let me sum it up for you real quick and in easy steps. Number one, stop blaming God for the situation your sins got you in. Number two, acknowledge God for the things he's already done. Number three, let the next generation around you catch you living God loud. <laughs> number four if you're scared to step out in faith do it afraid number five when you trust in God rather than your own abilities your limits are lifted number six when the situation seems too big for you to handle remember the 300 and number seven you want victory for you and for those around you stand shout and shine come on let's go